You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Well, today we are continuing our series we started last week on patterns, and I'm really excited about this. I hope you enjoyed last week. We talked about um, God's pattern for our freedom, and this is a little bit of a continuation on that message because we tackled things like sin and strongholds and how God sets us free from those. And if you missed that podcast, it was really good. Um, and, and so we're going to just continue to do that again. Understanding God's pattern is, is a key to us walking in the, the life that he has called us to. Uh, God is a good God, right? Amen. And so because he is a good God, he, he leads us in these, in these ways of righteousness that um, empowered by the Holy Spirit that we begin to walk that lead us into great life. And so as we start the new year off, we're going to look at some of these patterns. And again, these patterns, we can't just merely stick these on as models because we would actually fall into what uh, Pastor Robert Morris was talking about just a second ago. We would start to lean into our works, wouldn't we? And, and that's not God's intent for giving us patterns. That's not a good father. What a good father does is he leads us again into the place of righteousness. So empowered by his Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can begin to live these things out to see life. And so we have to learn from them, and we most importantly have to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us to make these things alive in us. So today we are going to look at God's pattern for forgiveness. God's pattern for forgiveness. All right, brace yourself. It's going to be good. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today that you are opening our hearts. Holy Spirit, begin to give us hearts that are willing to receive, ready to receive what your word and how your word is leading us, what your word says and how your word is leading us. Holy Spirit, speak to us today. Begin to transform our lives. Begin to expand our lives. Give us the grace to begin to walk in this place of forgiveness so that we can experience life, the life you've called us to. And Father, we also ask you for your uh, beloved team, the Cowboys, today to win because we know they are your team, God. You do not love Green Bay, but indeed you love the Dallas Cowboys. All right. So thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I got more agreement on the second half of that than the first half. Y'all have to repent. In my house, I have four girls, and they're all beautiful. They are all very smart. Uh, like their mom, um, beautiful like their mom, and wonderful, but they are also quite vicious. If you do not have girls, you do not understand what vicious is. Boys can be mean, girls are vicious. And in my house, uh, the, the age range of my girls now, they are in the age range I call the makeup range. <laughs> you know what that is? Like they're not making up for something, they just like makeup. And so they all got makeup. And so in my house, as we, like, one of the Christmas things, like, we try to get a makeup. We, you know, we want to do that. How many of y'all know where Alta is, right? Am I saying that right? All right. Alta took a bunch of my money this Christmas. And, and so, like, we, we, we get our girls makeup, and we learn something because um, girls, my girls, I should say, are territorial. They guard their makeup like a country guards their nuclear warheads, And every once in a while, I will hear from our, my wife and I's bedrooms on the bottom floor, it's two-story, and the girls and all the kids' rooms are up top. 
And all of a sudden, you'll hear this screech like, get out of my room. That's not yours. Mom. You know, and that's normally the thud is somebody getting pounded on. I've got one daughter that will go unnamed that is, um, we can just call her the annihilator. She is the equivalent of the Israelites. If you throw a stone over the fence, she's coming back with a warhead. You know what I'm saying? And so not too long ago, we had an experience where one of the girls had gotten into the other girl's makeup, and the one that is vicious uh, was, a, was the one who was sinned against. <laughs> and she, she didn't just go get her makeup back, but she acquired all the other makeup, you know. It was, it was, it was quite, quite just treacherous. And, and you, know, you know, me, because, like, um, my wife is cool. She's like, oh, they'll figure it out, you know. Me, I'm like, I'm like ninja, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, jump up on the scene. I'm like, all right, that's enough. My first line, if you, if you ever see something go down in my house, I got to settle. I'm like, all right, stop. That's enough. Everybody be quiet because I can't operate unless there is peace and quiet, all right? My mind is not like it's one-dimensional. And they'll, they'll keep hitting behind like, you know how a ref breaks up a fight and the boxer just kind of go, you know, they do that with me. And so I'm like, what, what is going on? What is happening here? And they're like, they stole, she stole my blush, Time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. Shh, what is blush? <laughs> it's this stuff, Dad. You know, this stuff. Come on, you know. <laughs> but she took my eyeliner. <laughs> time out. What, what is eyeliner? <laughs> Side note, my wife can send me to go look for makeup, and she'll give me the exact number. You guys, ladies, you got your makeup numbered. Like, and, and I will go like a dog looking at something at the makeup stand and go, I don't understand. I don't see it. Looking desperately at a woman like, please help me find this number. I can't do it. And so we have to sort through this. And then inevitably it comes down to a place where there has been basically a sin committed. Somebody did somebody wrong. And there has to be some reconciliation. But in order for reconciliation to happen, there has to be forgiveness, doesn't there? Now, this is really just a, just a trite thing. It's not a big thing. But all of us have encountered the need to forgive somebody at some point in our life. We've all had to forgive somebody. We've maybe had to forgive a person, something that has been done against us that a person did. Those are normally the main things, aren't they? The things that hurt us the deepest because it feels more personal, obviously. And so we, we've had to encounter that, haven't we? Don't raise your hand. Don't nod at me. I just, I know we've all had to do that. Some of us have had to forgive a thing, a car. You bought a lemon and you're mad at it. You want Ford to know. You want Ford to know and you want Ford to pay. Some of you are like, no, it's Chevy. No, I don't care. But you got that one car and it is a bad car and you are mad at it and you curse that car. And if you see other people driving that same car, you curse it too. You're like, that car should go to the depths of hell, the very depths of hell and stay there where it belongs. It was created by the devil. And so you can be mad at a thing. In all seriousness, come on. Some of us can be mad at an experience. Something that happened. The company got downsized. It wasn't even personal. Maybe it was a a swath of people that got, got, got canned, and you were part of that. 
and you're mad at an experience, a time in your life, something even that you did wrong. Some of us are even mad at ourselves. There's unforgiveness that we hold on to ourselves. What about this? Some of us are mad at God. Some of us have looked up and said, God, I've, I've served you. I've honored you. I've done what's right in your eyes, and yet this happened. And we don't understand. And the problem with unforgiveness is this, is that it just does something in our lives that, that really, really just wretches on us. It changes the way that we begin to perceive things, we begin to look at things, the way we treat people, it messes with our emotions. And believe it or not, science is even saying that it can cause sickness. That unforgiveness can cause stress that leads to sickness. Well, Jesus actually gave us a pattern in Matthew 18 as we begin to look at a story that Jesus told where he talked about the problem with forgiveness. But he gave us a pattern on how to forgive. And this story starts with a question from Jesus' A number one disciple, Peter. And I just love Peter, and I hope you guys love Peter too. Because in Matthew 18, 21 and 22, let me read this to you and then tell you what I think Peter was doing. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or my sister who sins against me? Up to seven. Some of your Bibles say 70, or it says up to seven. And then Jesus answered and said, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Some of your Bibles say 70 times seven. Here is what I think Peter was doing that I think is altogether comical. Because Peter is going to Jesus and is thinking that he is asking a good question that he obviously knows the answer to because he answers his own question. And I can just simply imagine Peter looking at the other disciples and go, hey, hey guys, watch this, watch this. I've been listening to what the master has been saying. Y'all remember that little sermon he gave on the hill where he said, if somebody strikes you, turn the other cheek? Well, I got him here, watch this. And he goes up to Jesus and he refers to him from a term that lets us know that Peter is reverencing Jesus and he says, Lord, Lord, Lord. You can just imagine a little bit of arrogance on Peter as he comes up to Jesus. Lord, let me ask you a question. How many times shall we forgive? Hey, I know the answer, Jesus. It's seven times, isn't it? And Jesus just, just bluntly looks at Peter, probably not even looking at him, just kind of looks out and goes, no, dummy, it is not seven times, but it is 77 or 70 times seven. Jesus flips the script on Peter. And by doing this, he introduces a pattern on how we are to walk in forgiveness that brings life. Jesus from there goes into a story that is an amazing, shocking, all-filled story, a parable where he begins to explain, and I'm going to tell you this parable. We're not going to read it, but if you want to read it, it's further into Matthew 18 here. But Jesus begins to give this parable, and he says, listen, I want to tell you a story, Peter. I want to tell you a story, Andy. I want to tell everybody who hears this a story, and this is a story on forgiveness. He says, there was a certain servant who owed the king a huge amount of money. And scholars debate as to how much this money, the amount of money was, but I've heard some say up to $10 million. 
It was 10,000 denarii, which would have been about a year's salary. And so we see this huge sum owed by a servant to a king. And the debt came to be paid. And the king goes to this man and says, listen, you can't pay the debt. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you. I'm going to take your wife. I'm going to take your children. And I'm going to put them, I'm going to sell them as work slaves to pay off the debt. Obviously, this broke the man's heart because Jesus said that the response of this servant to the king was to fall at his feet and to cry out, to cry out for mercy. And the king, looking at the servant, looks at him and sees this broken, contrite man, and he forgives the debt. Now listen, I want you to hear this because Jesus is using language that he wants us to understand in this parable to, begin, to get us to begin to grasp this deep pattern of forgiveness. The king doesn't just say, don't worry about it. I'm not going to put you and your family into debtor's prison. I'm not going to sell you off as slaves. He's literally saying, listen, not only am I going to not penalize you for the debt owed, I'm actually forgetting the debt. I'm forgetting the debt. I'm erasing the debt from your, the burden that you have to carry. Jesus continues the parable and says, No sooner has the man left the king's presence, and then he goes out and he finds a fellow servant who owed him a small amount of money. It would have been about the equivalent of four months' wages. And this servant who had just been forgiven this huge debt grabs up on this other servant, and the scripture literally says begins to choke this fool out. He starts choking him out and saying, pay me the money that you owe, pay me the money that you owe, or I am going to put you in prison, I am going to punish you. What an amazing turn of events. And Jesus is actually telling us this story so that we can begin to be shocked by the absence of thankfulness in this servant's heart toward the debt that was just forgiven him and the fact that he just turned around immediately, found somebody who owed him a fraction, a tiny fraction of the debt that he owed the king and begins to punish this man. And then Jesus says that there were some others standing around, other servants who saw everything that had taken place. They saw what had happened with this man before the king. And then they saw this interaction. They immediately go back to the king. They tell the king, hey, you will not believe what this guy just did, king. You will not understand that he just went to somebody who owed him a small debt and began to threaten him, harm him, and threaten to imprison him. The king got furious, brings this man back in, and punishes him with the debt, with the punishment that he said that he had, he had told him that he was going to punish him with. And then Jesus closes this parable off with this just kind of take your breath away statement that we all need to hear in Matthew 18.35. He finishes the parable and he says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. Wow. Let's take a breath and kind of just take that in. Wow. See, Jesus wasn't saying anything by accident concerning this parable. He wasn't just throwing some numbers together. He was actually making a huge point. But there's a couple of things, and there's a bit of a progression in this story that I want you to see. 
that give us, give us keys to how we're to walk in forgiveness when we're dealing with that in our life. The first thing that we see is this. It's something Jesus doesn't do. It's something that Jesus doesn't do. Jesus doesn't tell us why the debt was owed. Jesus does not tell us why the debt was owed. He doesn't go into detail as to why this man was so in debt to the king, what he had done. He doesn't go into detail as to why the other servant owed him the money. You know, I can't even begin to imagine what, what caused that servant to be so indebted into the king. You know, some scholars believe that 10,000 was the highest denomination that was ever loaned during that time frame that Jesus lived. I don't know if this man needed the money for his fields to work his fields, if he had some ingenious idea. He wanted to create an app. I don't know if he thought, he said, listen, king, just let me this money and, and it's going to bring us billions and billions of dollars. I don't know what happened with that. I don't know what happened between the two servants. I don't know if they bet on the Houston game or not. I don't know what they did, right? And here's why we don't know is because it's not relevant. It's not relevant. Listen, this can set you free right here. See, because Jesus actually tackles the first obstacle to unforgiveness in our life, it's not about the why. It's not about the why. Because, see, isn't the why the thing that causes us to stand on the platform of our heart and say that we're justified feeling this way? Jesus did not go into the the scope of what did this, the bad decision that led to the debt. He did not go into that. He did not go into the harm of the conversation that came before the money was given. He did not go into that. And here's why I believe that happened. It's because until we get off the platform of why in our life, we cannot begin to encounter the freedom that Jesus came to give us. The platform of why in our life causes us to stand up in the wrong place of justification of our pain that keeps us separated from forgiveness. Does that make sense? As long as we can stand up and say, well, listen, pastor, you don't don't know what they did. You don't know what, what happened. You don't know the why behind the story. You don't know what was said. You don't know what was done. You don't know what I was believing for. You don't know how this person treated me. You don't know all these things behind the unforgiveness. And Jesus invites us into this beautiful and somewhat painful step that ultimately releases the healing and forgiveness that we need to let go of the why. Why we feel this way. Why we're holding on to this. Why we're embracing this. It's the first obstacle to our freedom. Everybody smile. The second thing that we see in this parable is this is that rather Jesus jumps to the what is owed as a debt. Jesus jumps to the what that is owed as a debt. And there's a reason why Jesus talks about this, is because he's trying to make a parallel. He's trying to bring us into the perspective of the debt that we owe to God. This is super important when it comes to understanding our freedom. 
See, the debt, very simply, it doesn't matter the denomination, how big it was, how big it is in our time, how much money was owed, all these, all these things, all these numbers. It's not a numbers game. The reality is this, is that it probably would have taken over 150 years for the servant to repay the king. It was an impossible debt to be repaid. It was an impossible debt to be repaid. But yet, the debt that was owed from one servant to another was something that even though it was painful, could be repaid. It could be repaid. It could be made right. What was Jesus doing by showing us the what that was owed as a debt? What was he doing us, doing to us? See, what he was doing is he was beginning to tackle the mark, the mark that offense leaves in our heart. I want to teach you something here is that offense actually gets seated in our soul, not our spirit. It gets seated in our emotions. And it begins to be the perspective from which we filter through. See, what happens when we choose unforgiveness and we don't forgive is that offense will get seated into our soul and it will become how we look at life. If we have been hurt so many times and we have yet to forgive, we will not trust people. If we've been hurt so many times and we have yet to forgive, we will stop believing the best about people. And the only way that we can begin to hurdle that place, that mark, that indelible mark that seems to be left through offense is by looking at things in comparison. And Jesus invites us into this picture by showing what was owed. See, Jesus draws us up to a higher place. Guess who the king was in the parable? We all know it. It's God, isn't it? And who is the servant? The servant is you and I. And what's the debt owed to the king? It's the debt of our sin, isn't it? And so what Jesus is doing by offering a parallel is he's actually giving us and allowing us to look through the perspective of grace, which is the only thing that can set us free from unforgiveness. Jesus said, listen, there's going to be things and people and opportunities to be offended on this earth, and they're going to leave marks on you, and those marks are going to want to sit on the seat of your soul, and they're going to want to be the things that you filter this life through. But until you live in the abiding grace that I have given you first, the grace that is greater than any offense that could ever occur on this earth, the the grace that covered the indebtedness of your sin, you will not be able to let go of the thing that is painful and has hurt you. Jesus invites us into the perspective of grace. It is only through grace that we begin to let go of the offense that comes from being hurt. It is only through grace that we begin to forgive. It is only through grace. And Jesus invites us up to this beautiful, big, huge picture of instead of looking what's been done to us, to glimpse into his face and look what he did for us. Instead of looking at what has been done to us, to look up into his face and look what he did for us. How do we live in a place where offense doesn't capture us, we begin to abide in a place of grace. 
See, some of the problem that we have in our day-to-day walk is just like the servant, we sometimes forget the great debt that was forgiven of us. For us. Sometimes like that servant, we just simply walk away from the grace of God and we forget the debt that was wiped off of our slate. The penalty of our sin that was taken from us. The, the, listen, let me say it like this. Let me just kind of boil this down for some of you that walk with the Lord for a while. Is that the revelation that like, you, you are walking in that grace today. The reason why you stand up and you have strength, the reason why you are able to take a breath and to move forward in the things of God is because of the grace of God. Is that sometimes we lose sight of that. And Jesus invites us back into that realm, back into that place where we live in that place of grace. And if you want to get free from unforgiveness, if you want to begin to set a pattern in your life of these things when they happen, and they will happen to you. You will buy a bad car sometime. Somebody will say something about you. Something will happen. Somebody will make fun of your kid. You want to get me riled up? Make fun of my kid. I'll go hunt another little kid down. I don't have any shame in my game. What, what, hey, stop. What did you say about my kid? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Right? Listen, something's going to happen, but the only way that we stay as a people that are led by the Spirit and living in the life of forgiveness that we have been called to, and trust me, it doesn't stop here. There is a reason why we live in this life, I'm going to talk to you about in just a second, is by keeping our eyes firmly fixed on the grace of God that was given to us. And I think as a discipline in the church, we need to actively, daily remind ourselves of that grace. And it's very, very interesting to me that Jesus uses this parallel by saying, listen, it's only through the understanding of this grace in which I have forgiven you that you can begin to forgive somebody else. It's only through that grace. And this morning, the start of where forgiveness may come in your life is by asking the Holy Spirit to make that revelation alive again inside of you. It's by earnestly crying out to God and saying, God, please let the grace of what you gave me through Jesus Christ, when you forgave my sins, when you washed me white as snow, when you brought me in as a son or daughter of God, and you brought me into this life, let it just constantly beat inside of my heart. Let it be the thing that, that it becomes my perspective from which I see through. Jesus was, in essence, inviting us to cultivate that grace in our life. He understood that you won't get free from unforgiveness unless this grace becomes a reality in you, but you have to cultivate it. The next thing that Jesus does is he talks about how this forgiveness should be given. How this forgiveness should be given. See, grace demands an action. Grace demands an action. Concerning forgiveness, grace demands an action. If the Holy Spirit can get a hold of our heart and begin to bring us under the revelation of the grace that Jesus Christ has given us, then grace in our life demands an outward action. And Jesus in this parable spends time talking about how grace should be applied, how this forgiveness should be given. And he's teaching us two important things that we can see here on how grace We're to respond to grace in our life concerning forgiveness and why we need to. 
There's two important things that forgiveness does for us and why we have to cultivate forgiveness. It is not, let, let, me, let me say it like this, and, and let me just be very blunt. It's not okay for us to claim to have the revelation of forgiveness that Jesus Christ has given us and fully try to live in that and then to harbor unforgiveness toward people in our life. I, I, I know this is hard, so, so, so don't get mad at me, okay? I'm not mad at you, don't be mad at me. But see, this is, this is where Jesus wants to set us free at. This is where Jesus is calling us to. And I, and I honestly believe with all of my heart, this is why Jesus spoke like this. See, Peter thought he was being flashy, right? Peter thought he had the answer and said, look, Jesus, you know, the old school was like somebody hit you, you stood up and you, you dotted their eye back. You know, that's how we used to do it, Jesus. And then you came and you were like, Jesus, you're like, turn the other cheek. And we're all like, what? No, uh-uh, we're not going to turn the other cheek. You're like, no, I tell you that if you turn the other cheek, it's going to be good. And so we're like, all right, we'll practice turning the other cheek. They probably stood around the room and slapped each other, you know. Bap, all right, go again. All right, all right, we got it. And then Peter's feeling more flashy. Stay with me. I know this is a little goofy, but stay with me. And he's going, Jesus, I think I got this thing licked. Lord, check this out. Lord, right? Lord, I got this. Me and you are together. How many times we should forgive? I know the answer. Wait for it, Jesus. Seven times. That's how good I got, Jesus. I got that good between turn the other cheek and right now I am like forgiving seven times now, Jesus. I let, I let, I let John hit me seven times. It was wild. I said, do it again, do it again, do it again. And, and so he's got this lick, and Jesus goes, no, no, I'm telling you the truth. You don't got it because here's the thing. It's not about the action of what you do if the grace that I've given you is not in your life. So the grace has to be made alive in you so that this can be a, get it right now, a continual thing. Because what Jesus was doing is saying, Peter, no, it's not a numerical value. It's bigger than you can imagine. It's more than you can imagine. It's like, watch this, Peter. It's always. And after Jesus got done with the parable, I'm sure Peter turned around to the guys and said, I'm sorry, I opened the door for this one. Sorry, guys. That's on me. Right? I, I brought this into us. But all of a sudden, the level's been changed, right? But the problem is, is that it's not possible for the level to change until the revelation of grace fills our hearts to the place where we are seeing the grace that has been extended to us, and we're letting grace have an outcome in our life concerning the way we forgive. And this is what grace does to us. It protects and it provides for us. This is what Jesus did when he showed this is the effect. This is how forgiveness works. When we choose to forgive, when we choose to abide in that grace, it protects and it provides for us. Listen to this. You can turn to your Bibles in Ephesians 4, 30, 32. Hope you all are getting this. Hope you like it a little bit. All right. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God from whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, and brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Let me tell you what is happening here. 
is that this is just a simple two-step process of what happens when we choose to abide in the grace of God and forgive. It both protects and provides something for us. How does grace protect us in the area of forgiveness? The first thing that it does is it keeps the Holy Spirit close to us. Did any of y'all pick up on that when I read that in Ephesians 4? It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you've been sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. On Wednesday, we actually learn the Holy Spirit is a person who has feelings, and we can hurt the Holy Spirit's feelings. How do we hurt the Holy Spirit's feelings? When we treat each other bad. When we treat each other bad by walking in unforgiveness. And so one of the ways that forgiveness, the grace of forgiveness, protects us is by keeping the Holy Spirit close. But another thing that happens in us is this, is that it actually begins to create compassion inside of us. By choosing grace in the areas where we have to forgive, we are allowing the Holy Spirit to create compassion inside of us. And there's something very neat about this word I want to share with you. Is it means two things. The first thing is this, is it means compassion. You're welcome. The second thing that it means is this. Sturdy bowels. <laughs> Sturdy bowels. I, I can make so many wrong jokes right now. I'm not gonna. This is not about your digestive health, all right? But it could be. Honestly, you choose to forgive, you might start doing things better. All right. Um, Here's why. Y'all with me here? Here's why this means sturdy bowels. It's because the Greeks believe something about your emotions and where your soul was. Follow this real quick. Is that they believed that your soul existed from here to her, from your heart to your bowels. How many of you have ever said, I just got a pit in my stomach about that? How many of you ever said that before? Like, oh, I don't know how I feel. Hey, you want to do this? No, I just don't feel right. I feel like I got a pit in my stomach. You know what you're saying? You don't have sturdy bowels. (laughs) You all can't get past that. You're like, oh, you said bowels again. How many of you ever, ever said, my heart aches for them? My heart aches for them. Oh, just my heart is breaking for them. Listen, you don't have sturdy bowels. And here's what the Lord is saying and how God protects you in the area of grace concerning forgiveness is that the Holy Spirit cultivates compassion inside of you. So no longer does that thing of offense sit in the soul, in the seat of your soul. And begin to be the thing that is filtered, that you filter from. But now the Holy Spirit is the thing from which you filter from. And that uneasiness and that weariness and that unstableness that is bred by unforgiveness is gone. How many of y'all need that? How many of y'all need to say Holy Spirit as I choose? But it comes as we begin to walk in the revelation of grace. And as we choose to invite the Holy Spirit to birth compassion inside of us. And then it brings us into a place, and this, is what, and this is what God does, and the Holy Spirit does and provides for us when we choose to forgive, is that He begins to put the pathway of healing back into the one, back into the hands of the one who can fix it. 
if we were all very honest about why we hold on to unforgiveness, it's this, it's because we don't know how the situation is going to get rectified and fixed. We don't know how the pain is going to go away. We don't know how the hurt is going to be dismissed. See, there was an offense created, and, and Jesus didn't, didn't pull any punches with this. And, and I want you all to hear this. He didn't say the debt went away. He didn't say, like, magically that money that was spent and gone. It just, but what he did say and what he did do was say the one who can control the penalty of the debt will take care of it. And when we choose to forgive, what we are doing is that we are putting the weightiness of the pain from offense back into the hands of God who is able to make all things whole again. And so when the scripture says this, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. That word forgive is actually to pardon the penalty of the debt. And so when we choose that and we choose to trust the grace of God, we're not just saying, God, I'm, I'm going to be able to say the words now. I'm, you know, I forgive you. I'm going to be able to just, that's going to be my confession. You know what? And it starts that way. Believe me, listen, let's, real, let's be real right now. It starts there. It starts by choosing, by choosing to forgive, by choosing to see grace. And sometimes it starts with our words. But understand this, that you are not simply entrusting the pathway of your healing that leads to forgiveness through the grace of Jesus Christ to a place where it's just words alone. Your heavenly Father is going to heal you. He's going to bring you to a place, believe it or not, believe it or not, receive it right now. He will bring you to a place where the pain of that offense is removed. And that's what the word of God says it means if you will trust him. And Jesus says, listen, for, you know, this whole thing with forgiveness, it demands something that we a decision that we make and a choice that we make and an action that we take. And if we choose to, the Holy Spirit will begin to protect us in this place, begin to bring a sturdiness to our inward place so that our, the seat of our soul lines up with our spirit and that forgiveness that releases the pain of the thing that has been done happens and life returns. See, because here's why. This is, this is the big thing. I'm about to throw a curveball here. Because Jesus shows us who forgiveness affects in this story. And, and, I, and I absolutely am in love with Jesus for this. I'm absolutely in love with Jesus for this. Justin, come on up. Team, come on up. See, because the parable that Jesus told in Matthew 18 introduces a whole other set of characters. Oh, man that I love. See, there were those other servants, weren't there? There were those other folks that were watching. There were those other folks that were looking around and seeing. They saw what went down. See, how do we know that they saw what went down? Is because how would they have known to go back to the king after the servant chose not to forgive his fellow servant? See, they understood. They understood. They understood what was forgiven this man. They saw the power of forgiveness at work. Some other lives got impacted 
when the king chose to forgive. Do you get that? Some other people got impacted as forgiveness was manifest. There were those who saw, who saw the grace of forgiveness. They also saw the weightiness of unforgiveness. And see, here's the reality when we choose to forgive. Parents, is that your kids see your decisions. I've told this story before a long time ago, but it's, a such, it's stuck into my heart. How many of you are familiar with Andy Stanley? Anybody? His dad, Charles Stanley, pastored First Baptist Atlanta, pastors First Baptist Atlanta Church in Atlanta, Georgia. And his dad was the associate pastor, and the pastor had been pastoring left, and they had a, a voting process that took place. It's, it's crazy. And, and, and so they went to the Sunday of the vote, and Charles Stanley stood up and said, you know, he, he said his piece. And the church loved Charles Stanley. There was one deacon that did not like Charles Stanley. And he got up afterwards and he said, there's no way in H-E double hockey stick that you're going to become the pastor of this church. He stood up in the congregation. There's no way you're going to do this. Everybody said, sit down. This man confronted Charles Stanley and actually hit him in the face, punched him in the face. Andy Stanley was 14 years old. He watches this whole thing go down, and he goes, oh, my goodness, every, every bit of teenage rage inside of him wanted to defend his dad, and he watched his dad take this punch and look at this man and say, sit down. It doesn't matter what you say. God's appointed me to be the head of this church. And he said, right in that moment, Andy Stanley saw his dad operate in forgiveness, and the power of forgiveness that indelibly marked Andy Stanley for the process of forgiveness so that every time something has come up against him, something, an accusation, a word, anything that has hit him, that has challenged his ability to forgive, he saw the pattern of forgiveness. And Jesus does not leave this out of the story. He lets us see the bystanders that witness the power of forgiveness and unforgiveness. And no matter what we believe, our decision to operate in the grace of Jesus and forgive leaves a mark on our children and leaves a mark on our community. Let me ask you one wild question right now. What does our country need the most right now? The answer is healing. And healing will require forgiveness. It will require forgiveness, whether we want to agree with that or not. One of my elders said something beautiful on Tuesday. I don't even know if he realized the magnitude of what he was saying. But he said, right now, the moment has come. The window might be open for the church of Jesus to rise up, to become the mark, to become the standard, to become the life of forgiveness. Those are my words right now. He said something, I said something. Okay, we're we're, we're tag teaming, Ronnie. Sorry, I didn't mean to call you out. All right. And so, to be that mark of forgiveness. See, there's a community that's looking for forgiveness. Let let me say something else. I won't mess none of y'all up. There's issues of racism that require forgiveness. There are some things as the church of the living God that we have mishandled. I'm just real talk. This is just being honest. You do not have to agree with me right now, but I'm telling you, I am so glad to be pastoring in this moment. I am so glad to be pastoring in this moment because we stand at the cusp 
of seeing the, this, this whole Matthew 18 message of healing and forgiveness take place in a larger scale. That really, God, we begin, can begin to dream and say, God, could you really heal our nation as we rise up? Not, not when Washington creates a policy, not when somebody gets in office, but God, can, can we really rise up of the church of the living God filled with the grace of Jesus and begin to see healing in this nation? And I'm so thankful that Jesus included these innocent bystanders in this story. Because it reminds me and it should remind you that every time we choose to forgive and allow the grace of Jesus to heal us, to walk in that grace, and to let compassion and the Holy Spirit deal with the stuff, we are choosing to create a cycle of forgiveness that goes on and on and on. This morning, as we close this, it's done. If you say, look, that's me this morning, I need to do that, I need this in my life, we're going to have some ministry team in just a second, not yet, come up, they'll be able to pray with you, if you need somebody to pray with, I don't want you, I don't want you to leave this place, see some of the stuff like last week, um, you know, we had some ministry, it was a little bit, it was, it was pointed, it was specific, some of you needed to come up, you didn't, don't, don't, not, don't do that, come up. If you're dealing with this in any way, shape, or form, come up and receive ministry. But just some simple steps. First, decide in your heart. Decide in your heart to forgive. Decide in your heart to forgive. Decide in your heart that you're going you're gonna to actually forgive the person. That you're going to trust the Word of God. Decide in your heart you're going to trust the Word of God to rule over you and not your feelings. It starts with a choice. Second thing is depend. Depend upon the Holy Spirit. You can't do this in your own power. This isn't just a simple act of your confession. Again, it might start there, but the Holy Spirit has to empower you with grace. Depend on the Holy Spirit to make the revelation of grace, the grace that Jesus forgave you with, alive in you. Depend on the Holy Spirit to lead you into places of wholeness and healing. The areas of your heart that have been hurt, you've had trouble letting go of depend upon the grace of the Holy Spirit and then obey obey the Holy Spirit can I just simply say this that some of you might need to go to somebody some of you might need to go to somebody and say listen maybe it wasn't even your fault oh, that's hard isn't it I don't like it when the Holy Spirit starts messing with me about this stuff it makes me a little uncomfortable but it always brings life. Maybe you need to go to that person and say, listen, there's something that happened. You might not have meant to do it. Something that happened. But I don't know what it is, but we're not supposed to be this way anymore. The grace of Jesus is supposed to cover us. There's supposed to be healing between us. There's supposed to be life between us. I'm sorry that I harbored an offense and I need you to forgive me. Isn't that wild? Isn't that wild? But Jesus, I didn't do anything wrong. But you know, if we allow offense to sit in the seat of our soul, who are we sinning against? See, we're sinning against the grace of God. And God doesn't want us to stay in that place. He's a good Father who loves us and calls us into the revelation of grace so that we can begin to release that. 
And as we do, we can begin to release other people. Just stand to your feet, please. Can I get some of the ministry team to come up? This morning, as we close in prayer, if you need ministry for anything, and please listen, listen. I'm going to be very clear about how I pulled this net in. I'm going to say it very boldly to you. Just in the love of Jesus. We got a bunch of folks up here. You want to wait in line? You can receive ministry right quick. The Cowboys don't start till 3.30. You're like, oh, I got to get the game pregame. No, uh-uh. But if you're dealing with any unforgiveness in your life, and you want to be set free, then you need to come up and receive ministry. Let's pray. This morning, all across this room, listen, if every head bowed, every eye closed, and all I want you to do is I just want you to simply just acknowledge what I'm saying this morning. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to do anything you're uncomfortable with. Ministry is up to you, but right now is the moment, okay? So if that's you and you're dealing with unforgiveness in any area of your life, I want you to slip up your hand really quick, up and down, up and down, up and down. Okay, 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 okay. All right. The Holy Spirit, just begin to release the revelation of the grace of Jesus over every heart. Over every heart. Lord, you see the specific areas where offenses try to slip in. And Father, in the name of Jesus, let the revelation of your grace begin to fill the hearts, the minds of the folks here that are dealing with that so that they can come into the revelation that they can release that. They can release that. They can let that go. They can let that go. That the confession of their heart can be that I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. I choose to release. I choose to allow your healing to come. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in to begin to protect. Protect the revelation of the Holy Spirit within us. Begin to allow compassion to come. And those areas of pain and those areas of hurt, Holy Spirit, begin to touch those. Begin to heal those areas. Begin to release folks across this room right now in the name of Jesus so that forgiveness can come, that there can be a cancellation of the pain of the debt, the debt that's been committed against them, so that your people can walk in freedom. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for moving all across this room in every heart and every mind right now in the name of Jesus. As I say amen here, if that's you, you want ministry, please don't leave this place without receiving ministry. I want you to come up to the front and I want you to receive prayer. When I say amen, that's you, you come up. So Father, do this in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.